I'm going to begin uh, in Isaiah chapter 14. We touched on this last week, and I want to use this as a liftoff tonight with further teaching. But Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 24. And Isaiah says some things here by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost that really and truly drives home the point that God is serious about his covenant. And he's serious about restoration of all everything that Adam lost in the garden. He says here in verse 24, The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. That I will break the Assyrian, and we said last week that the Assyrian was the devil. I will break the Assyrian in my land, my land representing the believers, the the body of Christ. The devil ought not have any hold upon us. He ought not have any victory over us because God has covenanted to break him in his land. And upon my mountains and tread him underfoot. Then the Bible says, then shall his yoke depart from off them. And his burden from off their shoulders. Isaiah talking about the new covenant that was manifested and achieved through Jesus Christ. The burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. That's our portion right now in covenant relationship with God. So that's what God said. He he wanted to cause the devil's yoke to depart from off of us. And every burden of sickness, every burden of poverty every burden of depression, every burden that sin brought into the world, God says that he has dealt with it through Jesus Christ. Verse 26 says, this is the purpose. This is the purpose. Everything that we just talked about. This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand, God's hand, that is stretched out upon all nations. And we found out last week that the blessing of Abraham and the blessing that the Jews experienced was not just for them, but it was for all nations, all nationalities. The Gentiles were, would be able to walk in divine blessing of the covenant. Amen? So God said that, that was his purpose. And his ultimate desire is that the blessing of Genesis 1 and 26 be restored to the earth. And the only thing that really hinders that from happening for us in the church is a lack of mind renewal. Our minds have to be renewed to these things and renewed to the perfect will of God. And I just read the perfect will of God. His purpose is that we walk in divine freedom, not saying we're not going to have challenges, not saying that the enemy's not going to come against us, because he will, because he's a thief. And that's what he does. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But we are built in Christ Jesus to overcome. We are, we are overcomers. Amen? We're not uh, victims. We're victors in Christ Jesus. And so uh, we're going to talk tonight about Abraham. We touched on Abraham a little bit last week. And I want to continue talking about him Because the Bible says that he is the father of this kind of faith that we're talking about. 
He's the, he's the one that God initially used to get the blessing back into the world. And uh, we want to see how God blessed Abraham. We, we saw in Genesis 12, 1, and, 1 through 3, how God covenanted with him and he swore to get, that he would bless him. But we want to see what that blessing looked like in terms of him walking in it and experiencing it. Because every, every blessing in principle that Abraham walked in, we're supposed to be walking in it also. Every blessing that Abraham experienced in his earthly life, we have access to. And even a greater blessing, because we found out last week that the covenant that Abraham lived under was an inferior covenant to the one that we're under right now. Amen. The one that we're living under right now is a better covenant established, the Bible says, on better promises. So everything that we read tonight, understand that God wants to amplify it in your life. Amen. So let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 9. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. So he obeyed God and he set out into the land that God had shown, that God had said that he was going to take him to. But the Bible says here, and there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt and sojourned there, for the famine was grievous in the land. So almost immediately after Abraham, or Abram at this point, started walking out the, the plan of God in his life, he was attacked with famine. He was attacked with lack. The famine, the Bible says, was grief. How many of y'all know you can die in a famine? <laughs> if you ain't got nothing to eat, you, you can literally die from starvation. This was a serious attack upon the plan of God for his life. How many of y'all know the devil doesn't play fair? And, and, and the same will happen with us. When we set out to walk in the covenant blessings of God, the devil is just not going to sit to the side and say, here it is. No, he's going to try to intervene negatively into our lives. And here with Abraham or Abram, he attacked him with lack and famine. The curse is tempting because uh, sickness and disease, poverty and all that, that's part of the curse. The curse is tempting to place a yoke upon him, a yoke of bondage upon him, a yoke of poverty. And again, physical death also because, again, if you ain't got nothing to eat, you're going to starve to death. So this was a serious, a serious deal. Now, the covenant does not promise Abraham lack. It promises him blessing. Okay? And it was important for Abraham or Abram to believe that. That even though what he saw in front of him was contrary to the, God's will for his life, he did not stop there, but he made a decision, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to keep moving forward. Amen. Because he trusted that the blessing that God spoke over, the, over him in Genesis 12 one, one through three was his. Now, some things went on in Egypt. 
And we're not going to talk about those things, but during that time he spent in Egypt, God increased him with divine covenant wealth. Let's look at it right here in chapter 13. When Abram went up out of Egypt, after he had spent time in Egypt, after God had blessed him with an overflow blessing, the Bible says he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the south. In verse 2, this make a lot of folk mad, but don't get mad. It says here in verse 2, And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. So Abram left Egypt with covenant wealth. He was very rich. God is an overflow God. How many of y'all believe that? The God that we serve, he's an overflow God, an abundant God, a running over cup God. Amen? That's the type of God we serve. And so overflow is the promise, and God gave it to him. So cattle, silver, and gold, the Bible says he was very rich. That needs to be your expectation. That all your needs are met in abundance. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So don't ever be ashamed of the blessing of God. Amen. Believe for it. Because guess what? The blessing is just not meant for you anyway. It's meant for you to share. Amen. So let's now look at another example of how God began to bless Abram when he came in covenant relationship with God. Because, again, remember, Abram, before he got in covenant relationship with God, he was a worshiper of the moon. I mean, he was a heathen. He had no expectation of this type of supernatural blessing or increase. But once he got hooked up with God, God immediately began to Promote him in the earth. Amen? You should expect the same thing. You should expect God to begin to bless your life. Not, not without challenges, but you're going to be blessed when you serve God. Now, here in uh, 14, chapter 14, verse 12, the Bible says, And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods and departed. Now, long story short, three kings took Abram's nephew Lot hostage. Okay? They took him hostage. And the Bible says, here in verse 14, when Abram heard that his brother, talking about Lot, was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them under Dan. 318 trained servants. So, he had at least 318 employees. Amen? He left Ur of the Chaldees. He didn't have that type of uh, manifestation in his life. But when he came out of Egypt... The covenant blessing was so strong upon him that he began to increase in divine power. So he had 318 trained bodyguards. Amen? (laughs) So, 
Let's look at verse 15. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night. And smote them, talking about those three kings and all of their armies, and pursued them into Hobad, Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. The Bible says he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. Now it took you there to see, let us see something. This is covenant, and that's what we're talking about tonight. This is covenant favor in wartime. Uh, this is covenant favor in wartime. A, a covenant blessing that would be transferred to Abraham's seed all through the centuries. I mean, when you think about how David and his, and, and his army used to go in and just overwhelm people, overwhelm cities, uh, hardly having any casualties at all to speak of. When Israel came out of Egypt under Joshua's leadership, as long as they were walking and obeying God, no, no man could stand before them. No army could ever defeat them. That all started with Abraham or Abram. We see it here, the genesis of it. And that's why Israel to this day, <laughs> you don't want to mess with Israel, okay? You just don't want to mess with them because they have a God on their side. They have God on their side. He's a covenant-keeping God. Remember that when you are under attack. Remember that when the enemy comes and knocks on your door, that the same God who blessed Abraham or Abram with covenant victory will bless you with covenant victory every single time. Doesn't matter who the enemy is. Doesn't matter if it's sickness and disease. Doesn't matter if it's uh, poverty trying to attack you. It doesn't matter what it is. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I mean, when I'm under attack, that's, that's, my, that's the main scripture that come out of my mouth. No, I don't care what, what you send, devil, it won't prosper. God didn't promise me that there wouldn't be weapons, but he said it won't defeat me because I'm in a relationship with a covenant-keeping God. Amen. Now let's look here at uh, verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, after they had uh, defeated these kings, Melchizedek shows up. And the Bible says he brought forth bread and wine. And he was the priest of the Most High God. So the priest Melchizedek reveals to Abram the ministry of the covenant. The elements of the covenant. The bread and the wine. The bread, of course, represented even then the broken body of Jesus Christ. And the wine representing the shed blood of Christ or the blood of the new covenant. So he was giving Abraham, uh, revealing to Abraham the blessing of covenant relationship with God even then. Let's look at verse 19. 
and he blessed him. Hmm. What does it mean when you're blessed? When, when I say, God bless you. What, what am I saying? God bless you. I'm saying, may God cause you to prosper and succeed. May the blessing of God be upon you that you may prosper and succeed. So that's what Melchizedek is speaking over Abram's life at this point. He says, and he blessed him or he empowered him to prosper by way of covenant relationship. He blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. And he blessed and blessed be the most high God which had delivered thine enemies into your hand. And the Bible says he gave him tithes of all. <laughs> I'm not going to teach on tithing, but I tell you, the tithe is 10%. So that's what Abraham did. He gave him 10% of, of everything that he had. The tithe was instituted before the law. How many of y'all know that? That's before the law. The tithe was Abram's way of saying to God, you are my source. That's what, he was, that's what he was saying. When he gave him 10%, it was like he was saying to God, I recognize through this covenant that you are my source of victory. You are my source of wealth. You are my source of strength. You're my source of every good thing in the earth. It's important that we realize that. That we are in covenant relationship with a God who requires that we put him first and keep him first. If the covenant blessings are to flow uninterrupted, uninterrupted. Amen? So it's important that we always remember that. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 15 and we're going to spend a lot of time there. Verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield and thy exceeding great reward. So at this point right here, Abraham or Abram is not walking in perfect faith yet. The reason I know that is because God tells him, Don't fear. He, apparently he has some apprehension still in his heart. And God, God will work with us in, when we're like that. He knows that uh, it takes time to build trust. And with Abram's case, God is reminding him, don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you. I'm your shield and I am your exceeding great reward. He reminds him that, of that. Because a lot of times, you know, when we're believing God, and remember what Abraham was believing him for, was a child. He was childless. He hadn't had any children. And we're going to see through, through the next few verses that he's going to talk to God about that. But God is just reminding him that no matter what we're seeking after in terms of the covenant blessing, that God is the true blessing. Amen? That he is our exceeding great reward. A relationship with him. So verse 2 and Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? So immediately we see what Abram's really, mind is really on right here. He says, I don't have any child. 
the child that, that, uh, that you promised me, he hadn't manifested yet. Sometimes the promises that the covenant promises us, they don't manifest immediately. How, immediately. How many of y'all know that? It don't happen overnight. We walk by faith, amen, and not by sight. He says, I go childless, and the steward of my, my house is Eleazar of Damascus. So he says, I don't have any children, and this guy in my house, he's the only one that is a potential heir to all these blessings that you've given me. And Abram said in verse 3, Behold, to me you have given no seed. So his mind, again, is on, is on that child, on that seed. And lo, one born in my house is my heir. The, the, the child has not manifested yet, God. The promise has not yet manifested. Verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir. So God had a different plan than the one Abraham had. He says, Now, this is not going to be your air, but the air is going to come out of your own body. Then the Bible says, God does something very interesting. He brought him forth abroad and he said, now look toward the heaven and count the stars. If you be able to number them, and he said unto him, so shall your seed be. So he tells Abram, takes him outside, and he says, look and count the stars if you can, which you can't, but this is how many descendants you're going to have. This is far beyond anything that Abram can imagine in his natural mind. When you get in covenant relationship with God, God will speak to you things that, that will literally blow your natural mind. His plan for us is way more expansive than anything that we can come up with on our own. Amen? So that's what God, God's given him an expectation. He tells him to look at those stars and see the face of a child on each star. That's how many descendants you're going to have. He doesn't have any at, at, at this point, remember. So he's telling them, I want you to expand your thinking that my covenant is a powerful, powerful covenant that can do things that your natural mind cannot even comprehend. Verse uh, 6. The Bible says something very important here. And he believed in the Lord. See, that's, that's, that's the important thing that we have to always remember. Even though all these blessings are ours through, through the covenant, if we don't believe and trust God for these things, these things don't, they don't automatically happen for us. So faith is very important. My belief system must remain intact if I'm going to experience these divine blessings of this covenant. I have to trust in the, this legal document that God has pl uh, placed within my grasp. And I must believe that everything God has spoken to me is possible. Amen? Because I'm telling you when, you, when you get along with God and you get quiet with God and you begin to talk to God about the promises of God, 
God will speak to you things to your mind that your mind will say, man, that's just too much. I don't know how God can do that. But don't argue with God. Just say, yes, Lord. Whatever he speaks, whatever he shows you, just say, yes, Lord. I believe it. Okay? And don't try to figure it out. And again, Abram did something very important. He believed in the Lord, God. The Lord. And the Bible says he counted it unto him for righteousness. And that's important right there. Because that lets me know that God is not looking primarily at my performance. He's looking at my faith. And God is saying, if you believe me to this degree, my righteousness will continuously manifest itself in your life. You will be made righteous, not by works, but by faith. And you'll experience every blessing of the covenant, not because you deserve it, but because you believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? This is the reason that we're blessed so much. It's because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of his blood and the power of this blood covenant that we experience through him. Amen? So he believed in the Lord and God counted it unto him for righteousness. So it's not wrong to say, I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God views me that way, I choose to see myself that way, and because of that, the windows of heaven are open unto me. Amen? But I have to believe it. I have to believe it. We tie, we tie God's hands when we don't walk by this kind of faith in the covenant. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. So God is, again, taking him back to when God first began to deal with him at Ur of the Chaldees. And the same word that he spoke to him then, God is reminding him that my covenant is still with you. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it. So he's still struggling. He's still trying to conceive this. He says, how am I going to know? Well, God spoke it. That should, be, that should have been enough, right? But God does not penalize him for that type of thinking. Because he understands that he's dealing with a, uh, a man from the dust. Amen? He, he understands that he's dealing with a fallen man who is cursed with Adam's curse. And his mind is not yet renewed to uh, the covenant. You have to remember, he didn't have a Bible. <laughs> Amen? Moses hadn't yet been born to write the Bible, the first five books of the Bible. So Abram is, is listening to God, and he saw God be faithful to him in Egypt, but he still says, how shall I know that I'm going to inherit this? God said to him, verse 9, he said unto him, Take me a heifer or a cow of three years old. He says, I want you to do something by faith. I want you to take a cow, go out to your herd and find a cow of three years old. 
and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Now, at this point, this probably doesn't make any sense to him. But obviously he obeyed. Because verse 10 says, And he took unto him all these, so he obeyed the voice of God. So whatever God tells you to do, do it. No matter what it sounds like, just do it. Because God knows what he's doing. And the Bible says he divided them in the midst. In other words, he cut them all in half. And he laid them out. Each piece one against another. But the birds, he didn't cut in half. He divided, he, he divided, he not. So he's got these animals and blood was shed with these animals when he killed them. And uh, the Bible says in verse 11, after he's obeyed God, and when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. So when the fowls came down, Abram, how many of you know God ain't going to do everything for you? <laughs> he had to drive the birds away. He had to tell the birds, no, this is my sacrifice unto my God. Verse 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. Verse 13. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. So he's talking about Israel or Abraham's descendants going into Egypt in the bondage for 400 years. I think they were there actually 430 years. But that's what God is showing him in a vision or in a dream. He says in verse 14, And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with what? Great substance. God is still talking about abundance, still talking about blessing even his seed with this type of abundance. So the blessing is to be perpetual. This kind, this kind of divine increase is to, to be perpetual. So Abraham's seed is supposed to experience the same abundance that Abram has initially experienced coming out of Egypt. Verse 15. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old way. So you even telling Abram, you're going to live a long time. He's already 75 years old or 70 years old, but he says you're going to have a long life. Verse 16. But in the fourth generation, they shall come tither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not, full, not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun was down, or went down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And that's what I want to talk about for a minute. So it's dark outside. And the sacrifices have been laid out, 
And the Bible says, God himself came down and walked in the midst of those sacrifices. Hallelujah. The Bible says in verse 18, In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, (laughs) saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt into the great river, the river Euphrates. So, the covenant was initiated right there in terms of manifestation as God himself came down and walked between those blood sacrifices. Hallelujah. What an awesome thing. Now, let's go to Romans chapter 4. So now Abraham is really rolling now because now God himself has come down and he's walked within those uh, sacrifices. Verse 16 of chapter 4 of Romans. Therefore, it is of faith, again, everything that God did at that moment, Abraham had to believe it. He had to believe that that covenant that God cut with him right there was a permanent covenant. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So, long story short, that's saying that every promise that God made to Abraham, in principle, those promises are ours also. I wish I could get somebody to say amen to that. So, Every blessing that God spoke over Abraham's life in principle, God wants to bless every child of God with that same blessing. With the blessing that he blessed Abraham with. Now, uh, let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. Thank you, Lord. Again, uh, this, is a co- this is the covenant we're talking about. And we're talking about how it is a legal document. So I can trust in it. For when God, verse 13, for when God made promise to Abram, or Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. And I made this statement a couple of uh, segments ago. God was saying that if I don't keep my promise... I will advocate my throne. I'll get off my throne. Because the Bible says he swore by himself that he was going to bless Abraham. So that, that was the, how serious God was about keeping this covenant. Same holds true with you and I. God says, if I promise to bless your life, that promise is eternal just as it was to Abraham. It was just as sure it was for Abraham, it's sure for Pastor Larry. He can trust it just like Abraham did. Okay? Saying, verse 14, saying, 
Surely blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. Again, covenant talk. I will. I will bless you. I will multiply you. You should expect it. You should not accept anything less than that. Amen. Verse 15. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. So I gotta, I gotta exercise patience in the manifestation, but I, I, I have to always remember that the covenant blessings are maintained even while I'm waiting. Okay? Just cause I don't see it yet does not mean that the blessing is, is not going to manifest. Just because my healing has not manifested yet does not mean that God is not going to keep his word. Okay? So my trust is in the covenant. My trust is in that God swore that he would keep his word to me. Therefore, I have strong confidence. And I don't waver. The Bible says, Abraham got to the place where he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. But the Bible says he grew strong in faith. Hallelujah. I'm looking at some strong people in faith right now. I'm, I'm looking at some people who can walk through some stuff and who understand what I'm talking about tonight. Y'all have not staggered at the promise of God. You've trusted him in the midst of the fire. You walked with him through the fire, through the flood, through the difficulties of life. And you know that this word is true. You know it. Some of y'all have been through some battles and, and God has brought you through because of covenant relationship. Because his word said he would. Okay. You know, a lot of people, they uh, believe that God will just do certain things just because he's good. And he will do certain things just because he's good. But how many of y'all know there are a lot of people in the world that have needs? They got starving children over on the other side of the world who uh, are not seeing the blessing that we're talking about in their life. And uh, it's not because God does not care. He cares. But God, if he was only moved by need, everybody's need would be met. How many of y'all know that? If he was just moved by need. He's moved by faith. He's moved by faith in this covenant. If you exercise a divine faith in this covenant, every promise in Christ Jesus is yes and amen every single time. I just believe that. I just believe that. So the Bible says, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Verse 16. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. You know, men, you know, they uh, swear, they put their hand on the Bible and then lie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so that's how uh, God looks at us. He says, well, you know, I... I'll, I'll, I'll come down to your level and I'll swear. God, how many of God doesn't have to swear? But he does just to satisfy man. 
But it says here in verse 17, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, that's us, we're the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel. That word immutability means the unchangeableness of God, of his counsel. He confirmed it by an oath. Now, he didn't have to do that. But he came down to our level so that we could kind of understand how serious he is about this covenant. So I'm going to read verse 17 again. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, he confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things, unchangeable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So God wants us to understand that he'll never go back on the covenant. It's an everlasting covenant and it'll work if you'll work it. I said it'll work for you if you'll put it to work. By releasing your faith in the promises of God. By meditating in it until your mind becomes renewed that this covenant that God made with Abraham is intact and it is set for you to experience in your generation. Just as much as Abraham experienced in his generation, God wants you and I to experience it in our generation. Amen. Go to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better covenant or a better testament. So that's saying this. That's saying that the covenant that Abraham lived under, which was awesome, is inferior to the covenant that we're living under. So the Bible says Jesus is the guarantor of a better covenant, established on better promises. Hebrews 8, verses 1 and 2, I'm going to get ready to close there. Now, of the things which we have spoken, everything that we've talked about so far, this is the summation, the Bible says. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesties in the heavens. That's talking about Jesus. He's seated, the Bible says, at the very right hand of God in the Holy of Holies, in the heavenly tabernacle, representing you and I there as our covenant partner. Remember what we've learned up until this point. The covenant that we have access to, that, that we've been talking about tonight in great length, the covenant that we have access to, it belongs to Jesus. Amen. It's his covenant. He's the mediator of it, and he is the one that can initiate it in our lives. The Bible says we're heirs of God and join heirs with him. Everything that he enjoys at the right hand of God through covenant blessing, those same blessings belong to you and I. 
Now what has to happen again is my mind has to become renewed to that thinking. Jesus is not sick, so I shouldn't be sick. When sickness tries to put that yoke upon me, I must reject it by faith. Because I have a covenant that promises me that he bore that on Calvary. When poverty and lack tries to take a hold of me, I must believe and trust that the same God who blessed Abraham with divine wealth has blessed me with the divine wealth also. And the prospect of abundance in my life, a cup running over, that's my portion. Right in the face of contradictory circumstances. That's what Abraham had to do. Everything that was contrary to the promise, he had to reject it in his thinking. So do you. You have to reject every lie that comes to your mind that tells you these things aren't possible. That maybe someday when you get to heaven you'll be blessed this way, but not here on earth. No, it's the perfect will of God for you and I to walk in the blessing of the last Adam. Hallelujah. The Genesis 1 and 26 has been made possible through Jesus Christ to the church in our generation. Somebody's going to walk in this. It might as well be you. Somebody's going to experience this. It might as well be you. Somebody's going to take hold of this covenant and going to say, God, whatever you say, if you said it, I believe it. That settles it. Somebody's going to walk in it. Before Jesus, before the church is raptured out, somebody's going to walk in this blessing. It might as well be us. It might, we, we, it might as well be us who grab hold of these things and who truly believe that these things are not a fable. That this is the, the will of God for us in our generation. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. <sighs> Hebrews 8 and 6 says, But now had he obtained a more excellent ministry. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant. Which was established upon better promises. Raise your hands to Jesus tonight. Lord, we we worship at your feet tonight. We thank you, Lord God, for all that you have accomplished through your death, burial, and resurrection. We see ourselves as you see us tonight. Raised up, high and lifted up. Seated with you in heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Those who have been washed in the blood of your covenant. We thank you tonight, God. Every blessing, every empowerment. All the yoke-destroying power that's been invested in Jesus Christ and in His church. May your people begin to experience it more and more in the coming weeks, in the coming days. May our minds become renewed to who we are in Christ. You be glorified through it, Father. Holy Spirit, magnify Jesus in our thinking and we'll give you all the glory and the praise and the honor for every manifestation of your spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name.
Amen. And amen.